I have, uh, as I do many times, so many thoughts, <laughs> and I'm going to try to bring them together. Just give me some grace. I'm asking the Holy Spirit for grace, so give me some grace to bring it together. The Holy Spirit has a way. Uh, it doesn't sound right in my mind. Sometimes it's coming out of my mouth, and then um, as you go back and look and say, okay, Holy Spirit, you connected the dots better than I could have. just felt like I was all over. So I just want the Holy Spirit to lead today. He is here. We, we cannot last, um, we had Easter last week and, and uh, I broke from what I was teaching on the last couple of weeks to just give glory to Jesus and what he's done for us on the cross. And I want to pick back up uh, where I was uh, preaching about for these last couple of weeks. And I had preached two weeks uh, prior to Easter that sin is a snare. Sin comes to get you, it traps you, it holds you back. But then uh, the week before Easter, that the Holy Spirit is there to help us, isn't he? The Holy Spirit is there to help us. Romans 8, the Holy Spirit is there to help you. And even last week we looked at it. As Jesus was going to the cross, he said, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. He didn't leave us. Jesus paid a price for us. He freed us from our sin. Thank you, Lord. He freed you from past, present, and future sin. You just have to walk with him. All we have to do is walk with him. And he doesn't ask you to do something that he wouldn't uh, be there for you to do. He didn't ask you to do something that he's not right next to you every step of the way. The Holy Spirit will empower you to walk it out. Come on. The Holy Spirit will empower you to walk it out. Grace is not an umbrella. Grace is a tool that God gave us. You cannot do it on your own. There's many things that God does cover. Who has been covered for a season and things you didn't even realize? Right? But then when the Lord starts poking you, who's been poked by God? When he starts poking you and says, give me that area, the umbrella gets closed up, doesn't it? Who's been there? And he's not saying grace is gone. What does he say? Now let me help you do it. God is not asking anything from you that he's not there to help you do. We get so burdened as Christians because sometimes we're trying to take on, and this is this is going to sound a little odd. It's not heretical, but sometimes we're taking on too much at once. Lord's trying to deal with an area, and sometimes you're, you're scanning the pages and looking for what's sin and what's not. And the Holy Spirit's right there saying, I'm, it's right here. This is what I want to deal with today. We can do it the flesh way. Who's tried to do it the flesh way? Who's tried to go down the list, the checklist? <laughs> Doesn't work, does it? But when the Holy Spirit comes and says, <clears throat> give that thing to me, let me help you, who's given it to him and watch him do something miraculous? The Holy Spirit is here today. I know that. Even if I, we don't live by feelings, I can feel him here too. We don't live by that, but my word says that he's here because I'm here because you're here. And Jesus said that the Holy Spirit is with you and he will be in you. So when we walked in here today, the Holy Spirit is here. 
I want him to fall in a, in a, in a special way, but also he's already, he already fell 2,000 years ago in Pentecost on the believers that then were multiplied. And when somebody preached the gospel to you and you accepted Christ, the Holy Spirit came in you as the promise. He's here and he's speaking. And the Lord has a way. God's way is his way. God's way is his way. Come on, we need to say that out loud. His way is his way. <laughs> you know, there's two ways you can walk in life. I'm just thinking about this thought. Jesus said, the road is narrow to eternal life. It's narrow. But there's another way you can walk. There's a broad way. There's an easy way. It's hard to follow God, and yet it's so rewarding. And when the Holy Spirit does something in your life, I believe that the Lord has not, he's not sadistic, but he's allowed it to be just hard enough so that when the Holy Spirit does something in you, you know that it's not you. We don't know exactly how it happened, but the devil fell in pride because somehow he thought, I've got it. What's the difference between me and you, God? We need to, as Paul said, love our weaknesses, embrace our weaknesses. You don't need to stay weak. Come on. We don't need to stay weak, but you come to a place of weakness and then see a strength come out of you that you know wasn't you. It wasn't you, it was God. You are here today because of God. Not just because you are sitting here, I mean your existence in life, where he's taking you, what, is, what he's done in you, it's been God. Who's found weaknesses? Anybody here never seen a weakness? <laughs> the Holy Spirit, though, will use that weakness if you let him. That's where grace comes in. Come on, that's where grace comes in. That's where grace comes in. And he says, let me help you. The Lord wants to help you today, but the Lord is also, and I've said this so many times, it will not be the last. He is also a gentleman. He does not force you to do anything. He does not force you to do anything. The Holy Spirit, he leads you he will lead you, and then we, Jesus told us what to do, follow. Holy Spirit's always leading, whether we're listening or not. He's always leading. He's always there, because that's what Jesus promised. He's always there. He was there in your darkest of sin, in your darkest hour, the Holy Spirit was there wooing you, calling you. He was speaking life. Devil was trying to kill you. Devil was cursing you. The devil had you, right, with a needle in your arm. Had you blacked out. Had you in a dark place. Had you in a bedroom you shouldn't have been in. But the Holy Spirit was also there calling your name. And we then surrendered. Who found Christ through surrender? 
We must be surrendered believers. That's where we found Christ, and that's where Christ lives. This is an odd thing to think about because we move around on this earth, but Christ doesn't walk with you. You walk with Christ. Sometimes we try to take him with us, right? We try to take Christ with us. Jesus says, where are you going? (laughs) Where are you going? I'm going this way. Even Jesus, the son of God said, I only do what the father tells me and I only say what the father tells me to say. If Jesus lived that way, then I certainly want to live that way. Amen. God loves you so much. Jesus loves you so much. He paid such a tremendous price for you. And the devil has this world trapped in a delusion. That word came up this week, just talking about a particular person that I crossed paths with in my life. And I'm, I'm sad. I'm praying for him. I'm not talking about him in any way to curse him, but he's just trapped in his own. He has a picture of what he thinks life is and who people are in his life. And it's so backwards. It's so easy for us from the outside looking in to see So I pray for him. My heart breaks for him. But he's just trapped in a delusion. In fact, (laughs) the very things he thinks that everybody is doing to him are the exact things that he's doing to everyone else around him. The devil's good at that game. The Holy Spirit's better. (laughs) But he won't force you. He'll be on you. The Holy Spirit is relentless. He'll be on you till your very last breath. And I had the fortunate, what an amazing, one of the most special moments of my life up to date to see the Holy Spirit on his deathbed, over 90, 91, 92 years old, 92, on his deathbed finally surrendered. The Holy Spirit is relentless. He's relentless. And I watched him just surrender. God's good. He loves you so much. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We need the Word of God. We need the Holy Spirit. We cannot be believers without these things. (laughs) And I hate to even use that word. They're not things. I don't know what other language... It's so important that we live by the word and you cannot, again, I've said this so many times, the the Bible is just a book of words. The same exact words can be rearranged to say anything you want. Same exact words rearranged can be curses. But those particular words lined up the way they are and breathed upon by the Holy Spirit is what changes your life. You may not know it. You may not have had any word experience when you came to Christ. It may have just been a supernatural experience at the the altar of a church or on the street with, with another believer. But what you don't even realize was that Jesus said, I am the word. I am the word. So when you came to him, you came to the word. 
So to live in him, we must live by the word. If we don't, come on, you know it. You know this. How many Jesuses are out there today? A lot of Jesuses. I've said it before, Jesus is in the Quran. He made it in there because 700 years after Christ, 700 AD, this is the history. 700 years after Christ, Paul warned, even if an angel comes and tells you a different gospel, don't listen. But Muhammad doesn't listen, and 700 AD, an angel comes to him, which I believe was a real experience. But what's the Bible say the devil is? An angel of light. A lot of people have had death experiences and seen light. doesn't mean you're going to heaven. I know that's horrible to think about. I don't like to think that often. I just want to preach that you need Jesus Christ. That's the gospel. That's the good news. Jesus won't. He'll, he'll, <laughs> there's true light. There's real light on the other side with him, isn't there? But he has this experience, and the angel tells him, this is just history. You can go look this up. This is not right-wing conspiracies. This is not the Christian's perspective. He said an angel told him that the Bible was close, but let me help rearrange it for you. That's why Jesus is still in there. David's in there. Abraham's in there. Moses is in there. Isaac and Ishmael are in there too, but remember the promised son Isaac? The angel goes, oh, it wasn't Isaac, it was Ishmael. Come on. And who are we now today to think we don't need the word of God? That's what happens when you don't live by the word. You don't trust that word. And you just think you can. We may not write a new religion because it hasn't taken, you know, at first it wasn't called a religion. Someone copied him and it became religion. You may not think you're creating a new religion, but when you just start making up your own rules and just say, well, I live by this and I think this and an angel told me this and a dream told me that and a vision told me this and a prophet told me that, but none of those things are in the word, don't line up with the word. You just created your own faith. That's why the Holy Spirit is so important because the Holy Spirit shines the truth through the word of God. But if you don't have the Holy Spirit and you just have a book Come on, there's scholars. I know today there are scholars in colleges that know the Bible better than me. They know the book, they know the words, and don't believe. Because there's a surrender in you that has to happen. It's not just the words. It's the power of the words through surrender. And when we surrender, the disciples, come on, we have the picture. We don't, we're, we don't even have to wonder how does it work. We have the picture. The disciples surrendered to Jesus. Peter had a rough time, didn't he? Surrendering. But he did, didn't he? In fact, I just read that story and it's so special. Peter denies Christ three times. Then Christ shows up to him in John 21 and says, do you love me three times? And each time he said, I love you, he canceled denial. But I denied you three times, Lord, so do you love me? Canceled. Do you love me? Canceled. And not only that, come on, you've heard the Christians, mature Christians in here, you've heard the teachings. His last time he says, I love you, he says phileo, which is, that's where Philadelphia is named after. That's the, the brotherly love. Come on, Peter, are you my friend? Come on, I, I know you love me. Canceled. But not only that, do you love me like a friend? Do we have friendship? Then it's gone. 
And we don't see Peter ever stumble after that. Peter doesn't stumble anymore, does he? The war is over, struggling done. And the Holy Spirit falls. He comes down from the upper room and 3,000 people get saved. Come on, we have the picture. It's not confusing. Surrender. He's not, Jesus is not offended by your denial. Wow. He's not offended. He's just going to come to you and get to that heart. Come on, Jesus was there on the shore. And Peter said, it's the Lord. Man, my heart leaps when I hear that. He said, it's the Lord. And he swims to the shore. It's Jesus. It was done. He was surrendered. It was finished. And the Holy Spirit then could work through him and breathe upon him and use him and speak to him. Peter didn't get off. <laughs> he doesn't get off. Come on. My biggest prayer as a young believer was, Lord, because I saw it. I saw a lot of it. If you've been saved a long time, you've seen a lot of Christians get off. And that's heartbreaking. That's not pride. I'm, in fact, just the opposite of pride. My biggest prayer to the Lord since I was 15 years old was, Lord, don't let me get off. I just started praying it out of my spirit, 15 years old. Don't let me get off. Don't let me get off. That's still my biggest prayer today. You can't do it on your own because you will get off track on your own. <laughs> come on, let's just come to terms with that. And the Lord's not offended when you do. He's just standing there saying, are you ready? Let's, let's continue. I already showed you the way. I'm the way. Follow me. When we're off, it's very simple. We're not following Jesus anymore. It's very simple. From the outside looking in, it's easy for us to see. When you're trapped in that bubble, though, sometimes it's hard to get that doesn't, isn't it? I don't know if that sentence made sense, but you guys get what I'm saying. But Jesus says, follow me. And where is he headed? He goes through the cross, into the glory, into life. The Bible tells us that Jesus tells us over and over again. I started reading and I started seeing how he was telling his disciples. He tells them over and over again. He literally tells them, this is what's going to happen to me. He says, I'm going, to be, I'm going to suffer terrible things and I'm going to be rejected and, and, and I'm going to be killed. And three days later, I'm going to be raised from the dead. You go in Mark, you see it in Mark 8, you see it in Mark 9. It's in all of the Gospels, but literally a chapter later, he tells them again. And then in chapter 10, he tells them again. And he says, remember, remember what I said. Who knows the story? Did they remember? <laughs> Did they remember? The Bible says, is this okay so far? I'm going to make a little turn here. Holy Spirit's going to lead us. In Luke chapter 24, it says, in verse 1, early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared, and they found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. So they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them. In dazzling robes. And the women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, Why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? 
He is in here. He has risen from the dead. And it says this word. Come on, this word. This is your word for the week. It says a word to us. A word that we need to know. Jesus told us some things. He told the disciples clearly. The Bible was written clearly. Come on. Nobody, the Bible even says that at the, at the end when everybody's standing before the throne that no one's without excuse. I don't know how all that works. That's between God and each individual. But that somehow he's told you plainly. We, I mean, we certainly here in the U.S., I don't know about the Amazon jungle. Let, you know, that'll be between the, him and them and the Lord. But I know here in the U.S., we've heard the gospel clearly, haven't we? There's a lot of different stuff in there too, but the truth is still there. If you're looking for it, if you want the truth, it's there, isn't it? And he says this word, remember. Everybody say that out loud. Remember what he told you. Come on, church, today... I want you to remember what the Lord told us. I don't want to be surprised on Resurrection Day. I don't want to be confused. In fact, we see in part, the Bible says we only see in part. We look through like dark sunglasses. You know those glasses after you had your eyes worked on that they give you so you don't burn your eyes out from the sun? We live like that. The Bible tells us that's how we live here on this earth. So, and so partly you're never going to know clearly, but I want to know as clear as possible. I don't want to be surprised. I don't want to be walking around in the wondering and the not knowing. We need to know. And the Bible says so many things that are going to have happened and that are going to happen that we must remember. It says, remember what he told you. And what does the Holy Spirit do? What did Jesus promise to the Holy Spirit? He said, when he comes to you, he will remind you. He will remind you. It says, remember what he told you back in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and that he would rise again on the third day. Then they remembered, verse 8, then they remembered that he had said this. So, He's not asking you to remember something that he hasn't told you. Remember that he had said this. I don't mean to pick on Muhammad. God loved him too right till his death. But Muhammad should have remembered the verse that said, don't listen to an angel that tells you a different gospel. (laughs) Right? Anybody? (laughs) I forgot, Lord. Well, I told you clearly, if you had read my verse that you took out. Then they remembered that he had said this, so they rushed back from the tomb to tell his 11 disciples and everyone else what had happened. And it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and several of the other women. They told the apostles what happened, but the story, verse 11, sounded like nonsense to them. The story of Jesus being raised from the dead sounded like nonsense to the heathens that put him on the cross. Nope. Sounded like nonsense to the world that didn't believe in him anyway. Nope. It sounded like nonsense to the... (laughs) Sounded like nonsense to the disciples. 
to the 11 disciples, it sounded like nonsense. But Jesus shows up to a couple of the disciples on the Emmaus Road in verse 25, and he said to them, you foolish people, you find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. I love when people say, you know what, I don't like the Bible, but I like Jesus. I don't like Paul, but I like Jesus. That's fine. I can get rid of Paul and still preach the same exact truth of the gospel just by reading Jesus' words. In fact, Jesus' words are the sharpest words in the whole Bible, unless you're picking and choosing there too. I just like Jesus. I just don't like everything he said. What are you left with? You're left with a weird Jesus that they, you know, that I'm God, we're all gods, and we're just going to name this thing Christian science. Come on, don't tell me it hasn't happened, because it, it's the fastest growing in, in that world over there, especially the West Coast, right, where I'm pointing to, their headquarters. You just take Jesus and make him whatever you want. Is this all right, guys? We all right? It's quiet in here. But he, he appears to some of the disciples on the Emmaus Road, and, and it says in verse 35 that he walked with them, told their story, and then they're telling their story, and it says in verse 36 that it says, just as they were telling about it, Jesus himself was suddenly there were the disciples telling them what happened. And he was suddenly standing there among them. He says, peace be with you, he said. But the whole group was startled and frightened, thinking they were seeing a ghost. Why are you frightened, he asked. Imagine the Lord here. I don't think the Lord was smiling. He's not angry, but he wasn't smiling when he said this. I'm not angry with you, but he says, why are your hearts filled with doubt? He was broken for us. He was grieved. You know, Jesus got grieved in the Bible. Jesus was grieved with Lazarus. Remember, and he wept. Why are your hearts filled with doubt? Verse 44, he said, when I was with you before, what's it say? What's that say? I told you. That's right. Everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and in the Psalms must be fulfilled. Everything written about me in the Gospel of Matthew, but you don't have to read anything before that. Everything written just about me in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but you don't need, you know, revelation. That's too hard. That's too confusing to figure out. And Psalms are just, you know, poetry and songs and. Moses is just a fairy tale. Come on. The whole thing. <laughs> the whole thing. Come on, the whole thing. The whole thing is pointing towards Christ. And the biggest thing that the Lord, that hurt the Lord when Jesus walked on the earth is that Jesus said to those that were the teachers, he said, why are you asking me questions that you should know the answers to? Why are you confused about what's happening here? You are a teacher of the law. You should know. You should have been looking for me. Well, we're not going to judge them. 
I'm putting us all right there. Let's just stand on the road with him. Would we be a people that would have watched Jesus go by or would we have recognized him? If you knew the scriptures with the heart of the Lord and not the letter, come on, that's the thing. We, we, we take a whole bunch of concepts and we just twist them around and we make this a new faith and new religion, but the letter of the law is not just that the hardness of do's and don'ts. It was that they had no God in them. They didn't let the Lord work through those things to do a change in their heart. So there was already a hardness. But we must let the word get into a place in us where we don't just know the letter. We don't just know the words but we know God's heart to it. Does that make sense? Because then when Jesus says something to you, you don't go, well, I don't see that black and white in the scriptures. But the Holy Spirit goes and touches you and you say, you're right, Lord. First of all, I don't need to find it in the scriptures to be obedient, period. Wow, I don't want to get you guys confused. Let me back up. I mean, I don't need to see that it says don't murder. Let's be clear what I'm saying. I'm not giving you license. Saying you don't need to see the scripture. Holy Spirit says, do not murder. I'm going to listen to you, and then I'm going to go to the verses, and, and now I can see it, but it's not just the letter, because then Jesus gets rid of the letter, and he says, I don't even want you to be hating in your heart. If there's even hatred in your heart, the Holy Spirit, he goes to the sub-law level, <laughs> It's not that the law didn't exist. Jesus said, I didn't come to abolish the laws, but to fulfill them. But then we abolish them anyway. Come on. I'm not saying you can't wear, you know, the law said you can't wear linen and, and cotton together. Those are the laws that Jesus was like, okay, that's religion. But the law of taking care of your parents and, uh, and taking care of the poor and loving your neighbor, those things don't just go out the window. Why would Jesus refer to himself as in, the Mo in Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms to say, well, you don't need those. Those are irrelevant to you today. At the same time, it would be impossible to fulfill anyway, so the Holy Spirit is the only way you're going to be able to do it. Amen? How are we doing? Are we all right for a minute? Is it too much? Too fast? It says in Revelation 1, verse 1, it says, this is a revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants the events that must soon take place. The Bible says that when he wrote Revelation, he said, these are the events that must soon take place. Anybody wonder sometimes if God lost his calendar? God's ways are his ways. His time is his time. And if it said soon then, I don't think God lost his calendar. I would say if he thought it was soon then, if God thinks 2,000 years ago was soon, then let's just be logical here. 2,000 years later, uh, yeah. Uh, these, these events are coming any day now. 
There's some things that you need to know. And he sent an angel to present this revelation to his servant, John. And then it says in verse 3, God blesses the one who reads the words of this prophecy to the church, and he blesses all who, come on, what's that say? Well, we don't just listen only, do we? The church that listens only is not God's church. That's the spectators on the street. There was lots of spectators that heard him. Thousands upon thousands that God touched, but only 120 in the upper room. Don't be a spectator. But we don't just listen. We listen to its message and... What's that word? I'm going to write a book. It's going to be called Swear Words. The S word, sin. The F word, flesh. And the O word, whatever that is. But obey is one of them. We don't like that word. Who likes the word obey? Or something in you cringe as soon as you hear it. Come on. Stubborn, stiff-necked people. I'm in there too. Gavin and I were talking. I said that God's already, that's who we are as people, but he knows that and died for us anyway. So we don't need to be burdened by that. Let's just get rid of it. Come on. He's aware of it. He dealt with it. Now let's leave that at the cross. And obey what it says, for the time is near. The Bible even says of its, in itself, it says, in, I, I love when the Bible answers itself. It says that it's nearer now than when we first believed. And that was 2,000 years old that he said that. So we can say it's nearest now. It's nearer, nearer, nearer now than when we first believed. But Jude, Jude chapter 1, verse 17 says, my dear friends, must remember. You must remember, it says. It says you have to remember. Remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ predicted. Remember. My dear friends, remember. They told you that in the last times there would be scoffers whose purpose in life is to satisfy their un godly desires. These people are the ones who are creating divisions among you. They follow their natural, that's the flesh. They follow their natural instincts because they do not have God's spirit in them. The Bible tells us of this time, the very time that we live in, that there would be people that would Say, I don't need the Spirit of God, and I'm just going to start living by what I feel. That is literally what it says. It literally says that there was a division in the church, and there was a group of people that decided, this is what I think, this is what I feel, these are my instincts. An animal acts on their instincts. We don't. We don't. Right? The bucks in the forest, whatever the animal is, they go and mate all the women, doesn't work in humanity. Come on, men. <laughs> that doesn't work. That's instinct. And that's fine. It's not sin for him. He's an animal. That's what God made him. We don't live by instinct and animal nature, just by what you feel and your cravings. We live by the Spirit of God. And it says that there would be people that would just live by whatever they think, whatever they feel. It says, but you, dear friends, verse 20, 
We've got to build each other up. You've got to build yourselves up. We have to be built up in your most holy faith, praying in the power of the Holy Spirit and awaiting the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will bring you eternal life. In this way, you will, what's that say? Keep yourselves safe. I had so much more I wanted to say today. (laughs) A lot of things I wanted to say. You will keep yourselves safe in God's love. There's a way to keep yourself safe. And it's to remember what was said. It was to remember that there's a way to live that is my instincts and my flesh and my way. And then there's a surrendered way to live. I'm going to remember that I was warned that I'm going to just be a surrendered individual and God's spirit, I'm going to stay and I'm going to stay in that place of prayer and I'm going to stay in the place where the Holy Spirit is allowed to work in my life. Is the Holy Spirit allowed to work in your life? Don't say flippantly yes. And I'm not saying the condemnation. I'm, I'm not in any way whatsoever. Go home and think about that. I want you to go home as I will do today too because the Holy Spirit's pricking my heart too. Is he really in control? Or do I just say he's in control and then Monday comes and I go back to my life? Or is, am I letting him deal with me? Even to the smallest things, even the little things, the motives, the heart, stuff you're thinking about when you're in traffic. Holy Spirit doesn't like that. He's not judging you. He loves you, but he doesn't want it in you anymore. And if you let him, who's watched him just take that out of you, right? It's hard to give it first because it takes surrender, period. There is no other way. I wish, I don't wish there was another way. I just sometimes wish it was an easier way. Once you love Christ, you really don't wish there's another way, but I could say out of my flesh that we can wish there was another way, but it ha- you would just have to surrender. And that can go to everything. I don't have time for it today, but that's stuff that doesn't seem like sin, like doubt and fear and worry. Really no difference than worrying than it is to blatant sexual sin. Both of those things to God are saying, you don't trust me because here's how I told you to live. You're not listening. You're not listening. I told you how to live and, I, and I'll be there with you. I won't abandon you. I'm not gonna leave you. But if you trust me, there's nothing to worry about. If you trust me, I'll take that out of your life and give you purity. Amen, let's stand. We thank you, God. We love you, Lord, so much. And I thank you, Jesus, that you are here today. That Jesus, you came in with us. You were with us, Lord. You were prompting us to wake up this morning to come and be spoken to by you, Lord. I just pray that every word that you have spoken gets down deep into our hearts like good ground, Lord. Good ground. We're just going to surrender. We're going to let that stones just come out. You're going to move the stones and put your word down deep in us and bring out fruit of righteousness. We thank you, Jesus, for all that you've done in us and what you're doing and what you're going to do In the name of Jesus, amen, amen, amen.